0: Hello and welcome back to our Global Tech Spont podcast. In this episode, we're being joined by our very own Grand Dufault to talk us through what we see as a responsible and thoughtful policy approach to regulating artificial intelligence across the globe. But before we get to that, we have our host and friendly global podcast team here today. Hey, Brad.
1: Why, hello. Babe.
2: Why,
0: hello. And Caitlin, what's up?
1: You know, just membership chillin'. Yeah,
0: and we're in the office, so it's on the board. That's how you know it's real. It's legit. Um, it's legit. Um, and Steven, how is it going? Hi, everyone. And of course, I'm Alex. So before we dive into all things policy and AI, we're going to talk tech history and the top global tech headlines. June 15th, 1998, 28 years ago this month, the Java programming language was officially introduced. For those who don't know, Java is a widely used programming language for coding games, web applications, cloud computing, AI, and everything in between. Um, And the original name for Java was rumored to be Oak, but was renamed Java by Sun Labs Marketing Department. Uh, a fun fact here, the creator, James Gosling, was working on cleaning up another coding language and accidentally created a new programming language that we now know as, uh, as Java. Uh, so the rest is tech history. And now on to Bites and Brews. Brad, Kaelin, and Steven, what is happening in the news?
2: Earlier this week, President Biden announced $40 billion in funding to help provide internet for underserved areas of the country. The Broadband Equity Access and Deployment Program will fund the rollout and aims to connect 8.5 million locations across the country that are not currently connected to the internet over just the next 18 months. For more information, head to the show notes.
1: The European Union Cybersecurity Agency published a series of reports on cybersecurity challenges for AI earlier this month. The reports range from traditional cybersecurity issues to data privacy, and they're citing that while privacy and security are not necessarily the same, they are intrinsically linked. While each report drills down on a different component of privacy, security, and AI in general, the reports found that EU institutions and its member states need to collaborate to provide a globally accepted ethical framework to develop universally acceptable measures. For more information, head to the show notes.
3: Earlier this month, UK and US governments committed to establishing a data bridge in the hopes of facilitating the free flow of personal data. The data bridge will be an extension of the EU and US data privacy framework, otherwise known as the DPF. And while the finer details are still being worked out, it's expected that US companies will be required to self-certify to the DPF. And once that process is complete, they'll be permitted to receive UK personal data. You can check out the show notes for more information on the data bridge.
2: The National Institute of Standards and Technology, otherwise known as NIST, is launching a working group to explore the pros and cons of artificial intelligence and how it can be applied to tackle things like the climate and public health issues. This follows NIST's AI risk assessment framework that was released earlier this year. The working group includes technical experts from the public and private sectors and hopes to create a guidance that can be used to support generative AI technologies as they continue to develop. We'll keep you posted on this and other AI-related news and working groups in future episodes of TechSmart.
0: And that's all for What's Brewing. As we mentioned earlier, we're being joined by our very own Graham Dufault, General Counsel here at the App Association. Um, And he is here to talk us through what we see as a responsible and thoughtful policy approach to regulating artificial intelligence. Um, Hey, Graham, thank you for joining us.
4: It's good to be here. Thanks for inviting me back.
0: It's so great to have you here. I would also like to note this is another in-person pod, which is very exciting um, to have you with us. Yeah.
1: In,
4: um, in, in real life, not on Zoom. IRL. No. Yeah. Quite
1: exactly. literally Membership Chillin, as we know. Yeah,
4: we're chillin'.
1: <laughs> I love Membership Chillin' with Graham. It's always great to have you back on the pod, obviously. Um, so the principles that you just mentioned, they range from you know strategies and research and education to access and ethics and really a bunch of things in between. And they they can be applied on a global scale, is kind of what we're thinking. These are not really specific to any one country or governmental body.
4: Absolutely. Uh, And in the U.S., you know, agencies are applying current law to issues that arise involving the use of AI, while other countries have really moved forward quickly, a lot more quickly. And so, for example, uh, in the U.S., the FTC just issued this major statement clarifying that it has the authority to stop unfair deceptive extra practices, including uh, involving the use of AI Uh, So, in other words, just because companies are using AI to do things doesn't mean laws prohibiting harmful conduct don't, don't apply. And so, at the same time, Congress is signaling that it wants to launch a new, deliberative legislative process around AI. And so, this is the perfect time for us to make our member companies' voices heard, point out where current laws apply, explain how the technology works and how small businesses are using AI to innovate, uh, and so on the one hand, it will be great for Congress to have this better handle on what AI, it, AI is, what it does, um, and on the other so our, our, our perspective is likely to be to sort of caution against creating entirely new frameworks uh, and, and creating all kinds of redundancy where other agencies already have the authority um, or creating big permission systems where you got to go to the government first before using AI. Um, and so that will, you know, the, our principles will reflect that sort of in, in much more more detail here. Um, Italy is one of the one of the really fast moving governments that's worth worth mentioning, and they temporarily banned and launched a probe into ChatGPT that was back in the spring. And then the European Parliament, which is the main legislative branch in Europe, just passed passed a new draft law to regulate AI this week. And uh, a final draft of that bill won't be released until later this year. Um, And so, you know, now is both the perfect time for us to be talking to Congress and be talking to US legislators, but it's also a great time for us to be making our voices heard uh, globally and resurfacing these policy principles, which as Caitlin just said, cover a lot of ground.
2: Now, before we review those recommendations, I wanna stress AI's incredible potential to improve our members' businesses and their customers' lives. As we've mentioned plenty of times, Most of our member companies are small businesses that value making their time and resources go as far as possible. We recently had Andrew Savitz of member company Canned Spinach on the pod talking about how the team uses AI to help with R&D and user testing. These are things in their day to day that used to take up way too much time and now they're able to focus their time on their clients, design, and running their business.
4: I have to echo what Brad is saying. Small businesses, specifically entrepreneurs, developing the app economy are more than just minor players. They're unique contributors, creators, innovators, and disruptors, uh, acting as a collective economic accelerant, really. And their role is serving local markets, and their ability to scale enhances commercial diversity, resilience, and in the future, increasingly driven by AI, their success or failure will directly and substantially shape our broader uh, fiscal health so with our members in mind let's dive into the ai principles first is ai strategies first and foremost coordination is essential we talked about this in the beginning let's not create a giant framework that overlaps over existing frameworks or or steals jurisdiction in really weird ways from other uh, agencies um, many of the policy issues we'll be discussing throughout the pod involve significant work and changes that will impact an entire range of stakeholders the cultural workforce training and education, data access, and technology related changes associated with AI will require substantial guidance, will require lots of coordination. So global AI strategies and incorporating guidance on these issues will be vital uh, to achieving the promise that AI offers. And so it is critical that countries around the world take this opportunity to encourage civil society organizations and private sector stakeholders to begin similar work.
0: Absolutely, and I think that is such a critical point for our members who are located and operate all over the world, um, and are operating, you know, across all kinds of different borders. And so, I think obviously it's unrealistic to expect that a global coordinated effort around regulating AI the same way, um, you know, but but an AI agreement that accomplishes something similar to like a Privacy Shield framework could really help smooth some things over for those powering our global economy, like our members. Um, and so we, we outline kind of research and education as the next recommendation in our principles. So Graham, how important is that sort of research and education component in sort of our broader recommendations?
4: Well, research and education is crucial. Uh, they lay the foundation for how governments and the private sector understand, understand and then scale the technology. First and foremost, policy frameworks uh, need to support and facilitate research and development of AI uh, by prioritizing and providing sufficient funding while also ensuring adequate incentives. So, stream, streamlined availability of data to developers, uh, tax credits, um, those are a couple of ideas and in, in making sure that those kinds of things are in place to encourage private and nonprofit sector research. Uh, transparency research should be a priority uh, and um, should involve collaboration among all affected stakeholders who have to responsibly address the ethical, social, economic, and legal implications that could result from, uh, from AI use. Um, research is also followed up by quality assur- assurance and oversight, so they go hand in hand. Uh, it's crucial to ensure that AI usage aligns with recognized standards of safety, efficacy, and equity. Uh, so this should be achieved through risk-based approaches involving all relevant stakeholders to ensure that AI is deployed in a way that is equitable, transparent, and safe.
1: Absolutely. So jumping around here a little bit, but you've mentioned ethics and ensuring that AI is equitable a couple times, um, and it's not really a secret that there are ethical concerns specifically around bias in AI, and this is whether it's a large language model or something a little bit more complex. Of course, you know we know that this has to do with the fact that humans inherently have bias, whether they know it or not, and humans are the ones who are you know, creating this technology. So I wanna ask, what are we recommending to policymakers regarding AI ethics and bias?
4: Yeah, it's a great question because the, the success of AI does depend on its ethical use. That's the only way we can succeed by using it. So a policy framework has to promote many of the existing and emerging ethical norms. For broader adherence by uh, by AI technologists, uh, the companies that are using them, you know, innovators, computer science, um, and uh, those who those who basically who are using the, the systems, we recommend policy frameworks should ensure that AI systems adhere to relevant ethical standards, are consistent with international human rights norms, benefit all demographics, and that privacy and security laws uh, apply to uses of AI. The bias inherent in all data and errors will remain one of the more pressing issues with this uh, because <clears throat> uh, uh, it is ultimately going to be the data that sort of drives the direction uh, and, and the outcomes and the output of an AI. So the data that drives it and then obviously making people accountable when they're, when they're using it because it's, it's, it's the human beings that use it that have to be accountable uh, for the decisions that result. So our our policy frameworks have to address harmful bias while encouraging access to databases in order to promote inclusion and diversity. Uh, And secondly, to ensure that data bias does not, uh, obviously, cause harm to users or consumers.
1: Yeah, so in the same vein, we also kind of outline how important things like design, access, and affordability are entrepreneurs know better than anyone, if you don't make your products accessible either to use, look at, or access, people can't actually use them.
4: Absolutely, and and we need everyone to be able to benefit from the really exciting, the life-changing applications of AI. So we outlined some points around thoughtful design as well as affordability. So we hope to see policy frameworks requiring the design of AI systems that are informed by real-world workflows, human-centered design and usability principles and end user needs in all their different forms. AI systems uh, solutions should facilitate a transition to changes in delivery of goods and services that benefit consumers and businesses. AI design development and success should should leverage collaboration and dialogue among users, AI technology developers and other stakeholders to have all perspectives sort of reflected in real time uh, in AI solutions. Regarding access and affordability, it's important to note that uh, significant resources may be required to scale systems. Uh, Policy frameworks should enable products and services that involve AI systems to be accessible and affordable. Uh, So significant resources may just uh, ultimately be needed to scale systems.
0: Totally. So um, on to something we all know and love, uh, privacy and security. So... um, as AI technologies continue to evolve, what are the key considerations for modernizing privacy and security frameworks kind of in this like AI context?
4: Well, yeah, it, great question there, because you know, while the types of data uh, items that are analyzed by AI and other technologies, are, they're not new, the, analogy, the analysis can sort of provide greater potential utility uh, of those data items to other individuals, entities, machines, Uh, so because of this there are many new uses for and ways to analyze collected data naturally that raises privacy issues and questions surrounding consent to use data in a particular way like research commercial product or service development Uh, it also offers the potential for more robust and granular access controls for consumers so any policy framework should address the topics of privacy consent and modern technological capabilities as a part of the policy development process. They also need to be scalable and ensure that an individual's data is adequately protected while also allowing the flow of information and responsible uh, evolution of AI. With proper protections in place, policy uh, frameworks can promote data access. So modernizing privacy and security frameworks goes hand in hand with collaboration and interoperability we want to see AI frameworks enable ease data access and use by creating culture of cooperation, trust, and openness among policymakers, AI technology developers, and users, uh, and the public. and And it is it is definitely true that you know privacy laws do apply. You know when people are using uh, AI systems, but we're starting to see that states are specifically addressing. Um, processing activities involving automated systems mm-hmm. we have a white paper that just came out that uh, um, our our privacy policy associate Anna Bosch just uh, just published um, so definitely recommend folks check that out to see how uh, you know current privacy laws and privacy proposals uh, are seeking to address you know the, the specific privacy harms that might arise with the use of AI um, it's a little plug there
0: <laughs> no, absolutely, and I, I think we'd be amiss, a sort of, to also not mention that, like, obviously, intellectual property and kind of understanding um, the relationship between AI and uh, protecting intellectual property or trade secrets is also going to be an important part. And so that's also um, an aspect of our um, principles that we that um, you know we recognize not only have, especially in the US, a very specific. Um, Benefit for our members, it's something that they really care about, but also globally, it's going to be important in sort of those those cross border situations that we mentioned earlier, um, protecting IP, it's going to be critical. Um, so we'll have, uh, as Graham mentioned, our AI principles and more info about all the content uh, about AI and its applications in our show notes. So make sure to head to actonline.org slash techswamp to check those out. Um, Graham? Thank you so much for joining us again on TexMop. It has been just so lovely. I
4: love being here. Thank you. We love having you. Thanks. What a great me. guest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and now it is time for our random identifiers. Steven, you are up first.
3: Yeah, and uh, my random identifier this week is mainly for people based outside of the UK. Because uh, if you're if you're in the UK, you definitely would have um, seen this already. But it was Glastonbury Festival this past weekend, which is well, definitely the biggest festival in the UK and I think probably one of the biggest festivals in the world. And um, Elton John had the headline um, Legends slot on Sunday, so he closed the festival out. And yeah, if you haven't seen the recording of it yet, it's absolutely incredible. You can get it on the BBC website, I believe. Um, yeah, it's a real great. Um, run through of all the songs from his career with special guests helping him singing and it, yeah, it's a really really great performance and it's definitely the last time he's playing in the UK um, and I think one of the last times he's going to play live anywhere so yeah check it out if you haven't done so already Elton John at Glastonbury on the BBC
0: Um, Brad, what about you? What do you have for us? Of
2: course, coming coming to you with a California band this week called Proxima Parada, which is Spanish for last stop, I believe. Nice. Um, But pretty rad, uh, you know, uh, band with guitars and piano and some cool backing vocals. Um, Big fan of their music. Lots of positivity, and the guy's got pipes. That never hurts. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> never hurts that's right I agree with everything you've said especially the guy has got pipes yeah he
2: does it's it's almost weird to watch him sing because it feels like he's just screaming but he's just hitting every note perfectly yeah. just a little loudly
0: yeah <laughs> yeah I recently had that experience with um Darby Kennedy who like it seems like his voice should be fake but is real and yeah. then it's like very surprising because like his anyway it was really great so it's 10 out of 10
2: a fun musical journey
0: yeah Love that. Love that for all of us and for our listeners.
1: Um, Caitlin, what about you? What's your random identifier? Um, I'm talking some SH today because I have a bone to pick with uh, a meme format. Okay. Um, It is the slams laptop shut (laughs) (laughs) until Monday. I'm like... (laughs) sure like cute do your online behavior like that's that's fun mm-hmm. i don't want to yuck anyone's yum mm-hmm. but i hate them i hate the memes because <laughs> it triggers me like i'm like do you need a meme to tell you to like not respond to work emails right. on friday at 6 p.m. like right. maybe like take a note from the folks in the eu and like work life balance you shouldn't need a meme to tell you to like it's step to away done. yeah yeah, yeah.
2: Honestly, if I don't see the meme, then I just show up to work in the <laughs> office on Saturday. So. Brutal. I'm yeah. not
1: slap, slamming my laptop That's shut. I'm right. keeping it open all weekend long. I don't even
2: sleep. Yeah, not until I see the meme.
0: Well, and also like it doesn't address the horrible truth of phones and email access on phones. Like, how do I slam my phone shut? I don't right. have a razor anymore.
2: Oh, that would be fun. Angrily
1: <laughs> slamming a phone shut. Breaks my screen that? until Monday. <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> Well, <laughs> since since this episode was, was sort of about AI, I'm going to talk about a show that I don't think I've talked about before during Random Identifier, but I feel very passionately about this show, and it's called Mrs. Davis, and it's on Peacock. And it is relevant because, technically speaking, there is a character in the show that is AI and is sort of a driver of the events of the show. Um, and in this sort of world, this AI has sort of gotten to such a place that, like, it's it's somehow solved like famine and and issues with world peace and it has become sort of a crutch for everyone um, and it is such a fantastic show it's a little bit unhinged which I think listeners can probably guess works very well for my <laughs> personal taste um, but it's really excellent it, like really well acted really well written like really funny really smart. Um, the premise is so great um, AI basically sends a nun uh, on a quest to find uh, the Holy Grail which <laughs> I recognize sounds fake um, but then it just like becomes very beautiful from there um, and it's really wonderful so 10 out of 10 recommend I think people should watch and listen to this episode of Test Mom. Ooh. Yeah, because maybe Double the pop. AI couldn't have gotten mm. that ubiquitous had there been some responsible you know palsy in place who knows
1: I saw someone do a TikTok that was like no one needs to worry about AI taking over because AI will realize that like being a human and like responsibility of being a human is not worth it and oh it, gosh, it, it is it will be so smart that it will realize it doesn't want to be a human
0: yeah this also gets into a lot of sort of like the actual like realities of like how AI works which mm-hmm. is why sort of the end becomes fascinating during like our time watching it and sort of this iteration of like generative AI. Anyway, 10 out of 10. Couldn't recommend it more if I wanted to. Um, and with that, I'm going to call it quits on this episode of Global Tech Swamp. So if you've heard anything on here that piqued your interest, head over to our website and make your way to the podcast section. We'll have notes on today's episode
1: that include links to all the good stuff. And of course, we have our transcripts available. You can find them in our show notes as well as on Podscribe.com. Just search "Text And don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and
2: Stitcher. And of course, we'd love a rating review, five stars. Please. And that
0: is all for today, folks. Thanks for listening to this episode, um, global episode of Text Everyone, say bye. Bye. bye.